This is episode 204 of IDRA Class Notes. How do we experience the knowledge of colonized spaces look different based upon their colonial experiences in different spaces? And so me preparing you in San Antonio means that we have to understand the colonial history of San Antonio. Like if I am preparing you in El Paso, if I'm preparing you in a different state, your colonial or your colonist experience is, is different and your history is different. And so we really have to make sure as though we use that place-based knowledge for us to understand and unpack the ways colonization has impacted us and then our students in our classrooms. Welcome to IDRA's Class Notes Podcast. I am Dr. Stephanie Garcia, an IDRA Education Associate, and I'm here with my colleague, IDRA's Data Scientist, Dr. Bricio Vasquez. Today, you will hear from our guests, Dr. Lisbeth Tinoco and Dr. Alexa Prophet on challenging colonialism in the classroom. Thank you, Stephanie. So last time in the first episode of this podcast, we defined what we mean by colonialism. Our two experts, Dr. Lizbeth Tinoco and Dr. Alexa Prophet gave us a background of how they came to be interested in this topic. We also discussed and defined colonialism in the classroom. We described how this could be detrimental to students of color, both black, brown, and indigenous students. And then we also talked about how teachers and educators could stand to benefit from anti-colonial pedagogies in their classroom and why it's important for them to understand this concept. Today, we're going to be talking about research and actual anti-colonial approaches used by Dr. Prophet and Dr. Tinoco. I'll start with Dr. Prophet. Can you tell me about your current research on anti-colonial strategies in the classroom? Thank you. So my dissertation is very similar to the title of this podcast. <laughs> uh, my dissertation title is Challenging Colonialism in Middle School Teacher Education. I'm very particularly interested in the ways in which we prepare our middle-level educators for being anti-colonial teachers in their spaces. What I really focus on is the ways in which we can essentially prepare through our own pedagogical and curricular choices in teacher education, model what this looks like, what does anti-colonial teaching look like, because almost none of us have really experienced what that looks like in the classroom, and for us to model that as teacher educators, so as though our students who are going to be teachers are then having already had the experience of knowing what this looks like and feels like in a classroom. And so my research really focuses on thinking about young adolescents as being the prime time for anti-colonial foundations in their schooling experiences as young adolescents in the middle grades, traditionally about four through eight, are really looking at the world in themselves and finding out about their identities, the ways in which they are questioning the world, and the ways in which this is kind of the space, if we lay an anti-colonial foundation now in their middle school experience, then that lays the foundation for them to be able to advocate for this throughout the rest of their educational experiences. And for me, in my research, that really starts in how are we preparing our middle-level grades teachers to be doing this work in their spaces, especially Chicana teachers. What does this look like for Chicanas who have living in a colonized space and for Chicanas who have been educated in colonized spaces, and then for them to go be educators in these historically colonized spaces? And I think especially looking at my research is based in San Antonio, what does that look like and what is the colonial history San Antonio impacting our educators who are also going to be who are schooled here and then are going to be educators in this space as well. So the middle grades are my jam and they're the things that I think that really can foundationally change trajectory of education 
because truly if kids can have wonderful foundations and wonderful anti-colonial foundations in middle school, it can transform society. And Dr. Tinoco, you're currently an assistant professor. So what are some of the research projects that you're currently working on that deal with this topic directly? Right. So I think it's really exciting that Dr. Prophet mentions all of the work that she's doing in middle schools because we're trying to do a lot of this work within our own writing program and in higher education. My research area is writing program administration. And one of the things that we've been working on within the first year composition program at AM San Antonio is to develop a writing program that like explicitly states our anti-racist and our decolonial commitments like in our program documents. So we've worked on revising our mission statement, our program goals. We're currently working on revising our course descriptions because I think on top of the things teachers do in the classroom, I think it's important for our like official programmatic documents and institutional documents to reflect this work also. And students come across course descriptions all the time when they're registering for courses or they're reading about the courses that they're asked to register for. So that's one of the things that we're currently working on. I think as a program also, we started to recognize that our choice of textbooks, like we recognize like a rejection of the histories, the cultures, the traditions, and like literacies that our students bring into the classroom. So a lot of writing programs, first-year composition programs, oftentimes use a standard textbook. So by privileging like Eurocentric forms of like rhetoric and writing traditions are classroom practices that we're asking students, um, in particular students of color, to assimilate to standards and expectations that were essentially like negating the value of their knowledges and the rhetorics that they bring with them when they enter our classroom. So that's been a large part of the work that I'm doing, which I think we'll discuss in one of the next questions, um, is taking a look at writing assessment. Um, I've been doing a lot of work on um, writing assessment, whether or not students see writing assessment, in particular um, labor-based um, contract grading as a form of social justice or as an intervention to the linguistic violence that's often caused by traditional forms of grading. Thank you both for sharing, you know, your research experiences connected to this topic. And I just want to say it's so valuable and needed. So thank you so much for this work. I know it's very labor intensive, but I just want to appreciate you and this work in the moment. But we we know that there's this symbiotic relationship between theory and praxis. So can you share a little bit more about what does this look like in the classroom setting? You know, what are some of the anti-colonial, anti-racist approaches that you are using in the classroom with your own students? So I think the part that we always kind of start with is really defining our key terms. Students tend to not have anti-colonial or decolonial backgrounds when they come to me. And so we really have to look at how do we define colonization? How do we define settler colonization? How do we look at the differences between decolonization and anti-coloniality? Like these are terms that we have to really have a solid foundation of knowing what these things are to be able to then challenge them, right? And so that's one thing that we always really focus on at the beginning of our, of our courses. Another part is really thinking about how do we unpack our own histories and experiences with coloniality and the ways they impact who we are as people, the ways in which then it impacts who we are as educators. And so understanding the ways in which colonization has essentially been a part of our lives, our entire lives. And then how do we then have to do that really strenuous work of having to unpack what that means for yourself and the ways in which you identify, especially as a teacher. Another thing that we really focus on in using anti-colonial perspectives and foundations in our teaching is really being locally centered and place-based. How are we 
preparing you specifically to teach in this space of San Antonio? How do we experience the knowledge of colonized spaces look different based upon the colonial experiences of different spaces? And so me preparing you in San Antonio means that we have to understand the colonial history of San Antonio. Like mm-hmm. if I am preparing you in a Paso, if I'm preparing you in a different state, your colonial or your colonist experience is, is different and your history is different. And so we really have to make sure as though we use that place-based knowledge for us to understand and unpack the ways colonization has impacted us and then our students in our classrooms. Another big part that we really focus on is this idea of settler responsibility. I think that oftentimes we get into this idea of guilt that's associated with these things and kids are like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I just feel so much guilt and therefore they shut down. And so instead we really focus on this idea of like, we as, unless we are indigenous peoples to this land or we are the descendants of enslaved peoples of this land, we are not indigenous to the space. We're settlers on this land and we have to have a responsibility as settlers to be able to challenge these things and I always use the term responsibility other than guilt because responsibility means that you have to do something and understanding how do we unpack the responsibilities that we have based upon the choices that our ancestors made right and the privileges that we either privileges or lack thereof that we have in our spaces based upon the colonized history in our environments especially in our classrooms and so I think that these kind of key couple of approaches really are the foundations of teaching from an anti-colonial perspective, especially in teacher education, that we can model in our spaces of learning so as though our kids can go into their own individual classrooms and start to have these conversations with young students. Because this is something that all of our students are capable of understanding this language. And the longer you have been colonized, the harder it is to really challenge that colonialism. But if we do not do that work in their teacher education spaces, then we don't set them up to be able to do that work with students who are much younger who then can have these experiences in their classrooms and then really kind of realize an anti-colonial future for education for us all. Dr. Tianoko? A lot of the work that I do in my classes, I think is really difficult um, in terms of asking students to do a lot of self-reflection and self-interrogation. And I think this speaks to this idea of like cellular responsibility that Dr. Prophet was mentioning. So like really asking students to read difficult texts, to think about what writing has done for them and how writing has been like a form of colonialism inflicted on them. So like through many of the conversations that, that I have with students, like we discuss how linguistically and racially diverse students typically are socialized into white linguistic norms and traumatized by a lot of that internalized racism and colonialism when they don't adhere to these norms. I think um, one of the other things that I also do in my classes is like actually center different types of rhetoric. So a lot of American Indian rhetorics, um, non-European rhetorics that usually, you know, like usually in rhetoric classes, students read Plato or they read Aristotle. And I have students do a lot of work with American Indian rhetorics or like decolonial rhetorics. And I think this work really provides students a way of seeing and understanding how indigenous knowledge and experiences are typically marginalized and not even included in a lot of the curriculum. Um, One of the texts that students have really enjoyed working through is Iris and Raul Sanchez, Decolonializing Rhetoric and Composition Studies, um, New Latinx Key Terms for Theory and Pedagogy. And each one of these chapters, like what the editors try to do with this book is perform like that decolonial concept of epistemic delinking. So each one of these concepts like takes a look at writing, literacy, you know, different terms that are typically not associated within rhetoric and writing studies. I also have my students, instead of them thinking about writing in terms of just like mimicking certain genres, like I have students read about counter stories, read about testimonios and take a look at how 
oftentimes like narratives um, frame dominant ideologies and how then um, counter stories and testimonials allow voices from the margins to become those of authority that are typically not thought of as authority when it comes to like rhetoric and writing studies. So those are just some of the, the things that I do in the classroom. This is great. We talked about a number of different things. In the first segment of this podcast, we discussed what is colonialism. We defined what colonialism is. And in this segment, we talked about current research and actual strategies that instructors, teachers, and professors in higher education can use. If you were to provide a set of key resources for educators that are listening, what would be some of those key resources that you would recommend for educators? And we will also link to those resources in our print material. So Dr. Prophet, start with you. Great. So I think that it's really um, important to really highlight Indigenous voices and the people who are doing this within the Indigenous community. So I follow a significant amount of Indigenous educators on social media and the ways in which their experiences as Indigenous educators informs the ways in which they challenge colonialism in their spaces, right? Another text that I would highly suggest is the Indigenous People's History of the United States. Since I teach middle school, I use the For Young People version, which I think is really beautiful. It is a text that's meant to be for accessible for middle schoolers. Uh, Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz does some really beautiful work. And I think that for us to really do this work, we have to have a foundational knowledge of the history of what this looks like, right? I highly suggest Dolores Calderon does some awesome work on anti-coloniality within educational spaces. I highly suggest all of her work and it's incredibly accessible, but also George Sefa Dai and Arlo Kempf do have a text called Anti-Colonialism and Education that really looks at this work on a global scale as opposed to just like within our settler colonial space that I think is really informative and really can kind of lay the foundation of what this work means, not just in our spaces, but also in the spaces of others. And Dr. Tinoco, what would you recommend educators look into to be more informed and take a deeper dive into this concept? Right. I think uh, one of the things that has been the most valuable for me is taking a look at decolonialism and anti-colonialism from like various angles. It's not something that is really discussed within my own discipline. Like as researchers and scholars, like we tend to stick to theories and methods that we're familiar with within our own disciplines. The concepts are so broad that people in different fields and different disciplines are looking at things differently. So it's been really helpful for me to take a look at what those in English education are doing in terms of like how they're talking about anti-colonialism and anti-racism. And I think just being open to listening to others and having conversations is a big part of this work as well. Thank you again. We appreciate you so much to have these incredible scholars on this podcast to lead this critical discussion. It's just so, so appreciated. Thank you so much for giving us more context of anti-colonialism and education. As anti-biased, anti-racist educators, we are always wanting more information on current research and how this research informs our teaching and learning approaches and best practices. So thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening to today's podcast. You can learn more about IDRA Educator Resources and IDRA EX South at www.idra.org. You can also review this podcast show notes for links and resources mentioned in today's podcast or to other related content. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. 
For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.